Welcome back everyone to Top Deck Insight. My name is Sam and I'm joined by my co-hosts today, Josh and Sarah. We're three friends who love Magic the Gathering and we have created this podcast to bring to you our enlightened conversations. If you like what we do, follow us on Twitter at Top Deck Insight. Now let's get into the episode. So, guys, on Friday, we played a game of Commander, as we always do, um, but... It didn't finish till Sunday, right? That's how it felt. <laughs> we just <laughs> finished it today. No, um, it was a very long game, and it was probably the longest game that we played. Are we ready mm-hmm. to talk about it? Yeah, are we, are, everybody... we, are, we, are we over are, are enough? We, you know, rested <laughs> and prepared. I bet Maddie is so happy she didn't play. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it was only it was only a four-player game as well, uh, contrary to normally how we play five people, which would make sense that those would take longer because it's a whole extra turn cycle. However, this was a four-player game, and yet it started at 6pm-ish and finished at about 10 to 10 that night. Mm-hmm. So about three hours, 50 yeah. minutes. And um, more important to note is that all four players were still in the game at yeah. the end of it. Yeah. Everybody had cards in their hand. Every had a, everybody had a board presence. Everybody had a healthy life total. Jordan had not lost any life. Yeah, he was yeah. just still on he 40. Was on 40. The original he did not 40. move his little life pad thing. Um, yeah, so what was the matchup? The matchup was I was playing my Boros Akiri equipments deck. Which Josh? Is normally pretty, pretty aggressive. Pretty yeah. Yeah. Um, Josh, what were you playing? I was playing Bant Flicker, which has Rune of the Hidden Realm as the commander and Yorian as a companion. So it's mm-hmm. a 121-card deck, technically. Um, and it's a very much like... A, it, well, it was a control list. I have actually changed the list since this game. Um, <laughs> but it's like a, it's a ramp control list that makes use of ETB effects. So it's very grindy, not aggressive at all. Yeah, I think that game sort of made you decide to change the deck, right? Because, you know, the, the ending of the game was made basically Josh had locked everyone out, kind of. Well, okay. Th- like, you, right. went, you went That's... in to win. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I think that we should, we should hear your guys' perspective first. Okay. And then, and then we'll talk about my perspective. Of that. Okay, okay, so, well, first of all, Sarah, what were you playing? Uh, Taste Karloff. Sacrifice. Yeah, black white sacrifice. Yeah. That's your like homie deck. Yeah, she's you know? my G. Love she's her. G. She's your G. All three tasers in it. All three tasers. And then our fourth player, Jordan, was playing Jared Golgari Lich. Lord. Golgari Lord. No, Gol- Golgari Lich Lord. Lich Lord. I, was just, Lich Lord. <laughs> I was finishing it for you. Yeah, Golgari Lich Lord. <laughs> Jared Golgari Lich Lord. Bloody hell. Um, and that's like a graveyard sacrifice, big creatures, deal damage kind of deck. From that matchup alone, you can kind of imagine, you know, there's, I would say there's like one aggro deck and the other three are kind of late game, grindy decks, grindy value yeah. decks. So it kind of makes sense that the game would go a long time. But I mean, what, what really happened? What was the reason? I guess we all developed big enough boards. And then I think the thing is with your flicker deck is that no matter what game it is, if it's in the late game, it's almost always going to be winning just because you have so much 
You have you just have a better end game than everyone else, I think. I think that is true. And if I give you my rendition of events, mm-hmm. I think what happened was that we were playing this game for a very long time. Everybody's doing things. The game is progressing, albeit slowly. Mm-hmm. And I think we got two hours into the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, ended up being two hours and 45 minutes, I think, before we didn't even finish it. Uh, everybody just scooped. Apart from um, Jordan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the uh, so two hours into the game, I put forward a proposition. Guys, this game has been going on for a long time. We're nowhere near winning. I would like to vote that we group concede. Um, and Sam was on board with that because he was an aggro deck and he hadn't won already, so there was no way he was going to win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the other two players at the table, Sarah and Jordan, were not on board with that. They wanted to keep playing. That's not entirely true. I said I would let Jordan make the decision because I felt like he wanted to carry on playing Magic. Mm. I was happy to scoop. I was just being a nice okay. sister. So Sarah decided not to make a decision because she doesn't have any balls. <laughs> uh, or, as I said, I was being a nice sister and letting my brother continue to play Magic. Yeah, so Sarah doesn't have any balls. Well, no, Sarah doesn't have doesn't any balls. Doesn't have any balls, correct. this is true. <laughs> Jordan wanted to carry on playing this game. He felt like he could win. Uh, I, knowing what I had in my hand, Knew that he couldn't win. Mm. I knew that nobody would be able to overcome what I had in my hand. But I just didn't want to play it out. It would have taken too long. <laughs> I didn't have a way of winning the game. But there was no way that I was going to lose. Mm. And I think that I started to get a little bit tilted. And I started to goad people into, like, look, I want to concede this game. But I'm not going to. So let me say this to the <laughs> table. None of you can beat me. <laughs> with with what I've got going on right now, none of you can win this game. But I don't want to play anymore. So please, can we just group concede? Mm. And nobody was having any of it, so I then felt like I had to step up and prove it. And I think that that goad worked, because then everybody turned against me, and it was like arch enemy for a while. Mm-hmm. And everybody was just slamming and trying to get me out of the game for, I think, goading the table. Mm. And it didn't work. I just had so much value, so much recursion, uh, that I effectively soft-locked the game. I had infinitely recurrable counterspells, infinitely recurrable life gain. I had gummed up the board with a bunch of creatures. I was drawing tons and tons of cards. Um, I think if I were going to lose that game, it would have just been from milling myself out, mm. which in a 120-card deck takes a lot game longer. Process. Yeah, that, that would have been about a 20-hour game. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I also was just not able to actually get in an attack uh, and start knocking people out of the game because whilst I was not going to lose, my resources were incredibly strained because I was in a sort of arch-enemy position and everybody was trying to get me out. If we had played normal magic and I was an arch enemy for pissing everybody at the table off, (laughs) then I think I could have won. If I wasn't playing against three other people, I think I could have closed out that game. But having to fend off three other people meant I had to constantly keep my defenses all the way up, which meant I couldn't take any risks and I couldn't try and close out the game. So that's what I think. That's that's my impression of that game. I have to disagree because I don't think you... I don't think you annoyed the table or like go to the table into attacking you i think you know at the end there we all realized that you were actually going to 
you were the biggest threat on the table because you had a Thassa down, you had your other Blink down, you had the Terastodon down, so you're just able to kill everyone's permanents. Out of everyone's board, you had the most powerful, and that does naturally make you the enemy because, you know, you're the most powerful. I don't think you... Yes, but also your efforts were just futile. They and... weren't. We got you pretty close. We, yeah, we did. Oh, yeah, it came close. It came to, like, four life. You, yeah, your mm-hmm. life was very um, low. I never didn't have it. Yeah, no, obviously. But the... I, I don't think it's fair to say that we all try to attack you just because. I think it's, you know, it's because you had the most powerful board and were capable of winning the game, which yeah. you were going to. Like, the fact of the matter is you were winning the game. So at what point, you know, so we had a few turn cycles of this where you guys feel that I'm the biggest threat on the table. Mm-hmm. You all keep throwing everything you've got at me. Like, we're talking big boards and everybody swinging at me every turn. And it's not it's not going to break through. And actually, you can but, see with the... Imp- because I had, uh, like, Archaeomancer and Flicker Spells in my hand. Um, and so I had infinite... Like, I had tons of mana. I had repeatable Flicker effects. And then Life Gain and actually Counter Spells, which... Uh, and I had enough mana to just keep recurring them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game was effectively soft-locked. Like, if everybody just kept attacking at me, I wouldn't lose... I would always be able to get, like, to survive it. But it also meant that I couldn't attack. Mm. I actually... So, in a one way, my deck felt like it was locking everybody out. But if you guys had attacked each other, mm. the game would have progressed. Because you guys were all attacking me, that's what locked the game. But then what's the point of doing that if we're attacking other people so that we can lose? Yeah, I mean, this is... That's this is thing. What do you do in that situation? What do you do when, when one person is so far ahead but they're a way away from winning? You can't get at them because their defences are so and, high. Yeah, that's why the natural, natural thing to do is to team up. Because you can only work... That's where, like, we, can, we have to try and work together to get you down. And... The thing is, I think we almost did, but then you had the Frilled Mystic, which meant you had infinite counters. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, we were like, okay, let's just scoop. That's where I feel like we all scooped, yeah. right? After he revealed the Frilled Mystic, we realized there was literally nothing we could do. Yeah. Even <clears throat> And it was Settle the Wreckage as well. Settle the Wreckage. I, I was and... going to kill you because I had, what, 14? No, 16 spirits in the air. Yeah. You had lethal on the board. But that doesn't mean you're going to kill me. You, like, you, you, you never... Well, yes, you had a card to stop it. Well, but what thing, I mean like... is like... That's one card, or like, like I had flies. You had didn't have urine yeah. down at that point. But I, I wouldn't have sequenced my turns the way that I did. Like I wouldn't have left that weakness open if I didn't have a way. Yeah, but, but you were also the only person I could attack because you were the only person without flies. So I have a bunch of one-one spirits that have lifelink and vigilance. So I'm gonna swing them every time yeah. because there's no reason not to, and I'm going to swing them if possible at the person that has. No flies. Not necessarily. I don't think that's always the case. Well, I think it's because one ones aren't going to kill anything. So I'm just going to lose, in the sense of if I'm attacking just to gain life yeah. and obviously take other people's life. And No, I don't know. I think if you're, if you're swinging for 12 at somebody every turn, but they're gaining more than 12 life a turn, I feel like, you, like it makes more sense to just try and knock someone else out of the game so that you can focus a little bit more. But then, then it's the question of, you know, they're, they're gaining, say they're gaining 20 life a turn and you're dealing 12. Well, then if you focus your attention on someone else, they're gaining... 32 life a turn instead yeah. mm-hmm. because you're not dealing 12 to them and yeah we're just taking out taking out each other just makes it easier for you to win which why, why would we do that like why would you take out yeah like if we had taken you out then i think the game becomes it, it wasn't clear he would win between me 
yeah, Jordan I, and Sarah. Yeah. yeah. Either of us could have won at that point. Yeah, because me, because me and you were on quite high life, so mm-hmm. Jared's ability of sacrificing and dealing damage wouldn't have affected us. That yeah. wouldn't have killed us. So if Josh was out of the game, any one of us three could have taken it. I think if one of us went out of the game. Then it just. I don't cemented. think it even would have been that but much that, faster. That, that was not going to happen. Like, and I guess. Yeah, but only you knew that. Yeah, because you, you did. Well, so you, no, because you're saying that when you said we should all scoop, you said that you were going to win. That isn't actually what you said. You just said, I think we should scoop. We've been playing for a while. Yeah. yeah. Which is maybe you're not going to turn around and say, well, guys, I'm definitely going to win. But we didn't know that. Yeah, also, like, we were happy to scoop, but Jordan... We said, if one person wants to continue playing, we'll continue playing. We'll continue, yeah. And Jordan wanted to continue playing, so that's what we did. Then you then decided that you had to win. No, I just refused to lose. <laughs> okay. Uh, I refused I refused to be knocked out of the game. Well, I think then it basically came down to like a battle of will between you and Jordan. Yeah, but that's, that's not fun magic. No, that's not what magic is, but that is basically what happened, because... Well, Sammy, you didn't really get to do a lot. No. <laughs> really. I mean, I got Josh down to pretty low. Between, I think, between me and you, because Jordan didn't really swing, because mm. mm. he didn't have anything favourable. And it's also not, not really part of his no, game yeah. plan. Yeah. So, yeah, me and you were swinging at Josh, and then you and Jordan were just <laughs> trying to outwill each other. Yeah. It didn't feel like that to me. Like, it didn't feel like it was a, a battle of wills it felt like i was just i don't know i felt i felt like i was just doing it was like, i was just playing magic but it, i i effectively yeah like if i i knew with the information in my hand i knew that i effectively had a lock on the game there was there was yeah. no way i could lose but then obviously we don't know that entirely yeah. we have to play that out to know that because we did get you dangerously low we had you at four life when jordan had a poison departure out which meant if four creatures died, you would have lost the game. Mm. Yeah, because then... if you'd have blocked, like when he attacked you, actually, that if because you forgot about that in that time where he mm-hmm. swung at you, you forgot about the poison tip archer. Cut like one more. It was creature like one blocked, more damage. Yeah, you that would have been it. Yeah, yeah, so we did get close, and we do have to play it out until you, until you get like your frilled mystic and you're set up the wreckage recurrence. Once once it got to that point, we I was like, okay, that's the game locked out. But we do still have to play to that point, right? We still have to play to the point because we don't know. What's I in didn't know hand. how I was going to lose. Like, I didn't know how I was going to win either, but I didn't know how anybody was going to beat me. Yeah. Because I had a fair enough board and was on. What me and you spent me and you Sammy sorry spent most of the game on over fifty life. Mm-hmm, yeah. So I don't know how either of us were going to lose or win. So- I don't know. I think that the what what this pulls into question is uh, how red. Why is it that people scoop a lot less in Commander? Like if you know the outcome of the game or like you know you now you now can't win mm-hmm. um then why not just scoop well that's what we did do yeah when when yes we but it realized... took three hours to but get that's there. because it's commander though isn't it if for example you compare it to a standard match once like a lot of the times i will scoop as soon as emergent ultimate is cast i won't even play <laughs> yeah. it out yeah because realistically i'm i don't know what i can do to beat that mm. And that's because that's a that's a deck where you play that matchup a bunch of times. You know you're not really going to do much. In Commander, I I'll easily say that I haven't played against Flicker as much as I played against Saltile Domatum mm. uh, in Standard. And what that means is there is that chance. There is there is possible cards I could have drawn that would have yeah. killed you. There's possible like if I drew like a Comet Storm that would have killed you. That's burn damage to the face at instant speed, and I can multiply it with all my mana. That would have killed you. 
that's that's the thing like in commander there's so much less consistency that at any point i could have taken over the game and that's why you kind of have to play it out i think that magic should never like casual magic and edh shouldn't be a battle of wills like it shouldn't be a matter of well who's willing to sit at the table and go through more turns they're bored not enjoying themselves for the longest amount of time it shouldn't be i do think that is a little bit what happened i think had we have got to a point maybe a little earlier and rather than saying let's just scoop if it had been do you want to just scoop and we'll play another game Mm. because i think what that came down to for jordan not wanting to scoop was because he wanted to continue playing magic yeah because he thought he could win yeah but if we'd have said we could play another game i reckon potentially he would have chosen that option yeah. mm. but we were kind of two hours in by that point and it was a case of do we really feel like we want to start another game yeah and then why do you scoop jordan thought he could win and had you not have had thrilled mystic he would have done it. i know it's really easy to say had you not have had this had you not have had this card but yeah well jordan... i was drawing so many cards that my point is that there was pretty much no way that i wouldn't have the answer i, I drew through so many cards like it's not a case of you know, if you hadn't had this, if you hadn't had that, I I, I picked the things that I wanted to keep. Yeah. Um, and I got through so much of my deck that I kept the answers that I needed. Uh, then it, so it is I, down like, to it is down to like pretty much like you, you pretty much had a lock in the game, but you didn't fully have it. Yeah. You might have lost. Yeah, you were close to losing a few times. Yeah. You were closer to losing than anybody else in the game. Obviously, that's because like, we did team on you. Yeah. Like, I don't. I don't agree. Like, my life was lowest than anyone else in the game, but I don't feel at any point that I was going to lose. Even when my life was at four, like, all it would have taken was to flicker a couple of things and gain a bunch of life. That's the thing. Like, it's down to, like, card draw at the end of the day. Like, I could have top decked a card that could have killed you. Um, And actually, you you almost did at one point. Almost did, yeah. Um, Yeah, it's down to the point of... I, I don't think it's a good idea to concede in Commander, unless you're all just bored at that point. But, you know... It, yeah, it's a difficult thing it's to more difficult. evaluate. Mm-hmm. But compared to when you know you're going to lose a game of yeah. like a competitive format, because that's such a that's just there. You know, you play that match up a bunch of times. If I if I've got my mono green popper stompy deck and I've got a bunch of creatures out and I'm just I'm probably just going to win. Or for example, your Tortex deck. Once yeah. you've got that infinite spore frog on game one, I don't have my gut shots. You I'm not going to win. Yet. I'm just going to yeah. scoop. Um, I think yeah. there's sort of uh, definitely like can, can, because it's a multi multiplayer game as well. Mm-hmm. You see scooping a lot less uh, common in EDH, but mm-hmm. you know there is there is to an extent. You know if you if you sit down at the EDH table, your deck does its thing, uh, it does what it's supposed to do, and you haven't won the game. Mm-hmm. Do you just you know okay yeah my my deck's done its thing. I've come here to do what I want to do. We've played some magic. I haven't won yet. I also haven't lost yet, but my deck's done its thing and it hasn't been enough. So that's it. I'll pick up. I don't know if that's more difficult in Commander because I wouldn't say. Maybe that's just the decks I play, but I don't think there's like a, oh, my deck's done its thing, but I've not won. I think all of my decks continue to do their thing mm. and at some point I win. Well, that's the difference between a grindy deck and a and an aggro deck, yeah. I think. Um, like a late game deck, of course, continues to do its thing and have big payoffs. Uh, but like an aggro deck, so hypothetically, Sam, mm. um, you know, at that point in the game, you had three opponents who had s- were thoroughly in the late game, mm-hmm. uh, and realistically, there is just no way that 
your aggressive deck will be able to take out all three opponents. I don't think that was true. I think I had a big enough board. Because I had a really big board. Mm. I had my commander. I didn't have any equipment because you destroyed them all. <laughs> but um, I had, like, Odric out. And so all I needed was, for example, um, I top-decked that flyer. Yeah. That flyer mm. was all I needed to be able to attack you mm-hmm. because I had Odric out and gave all of my creatures flying. I, I even said before I drew that card, if I draw a flyer, so I'll need to do enough damage or do big enough damage. And it got you down to, like, three life or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that brought the game close. You know, it, yeah. it is down to those top decks and I don't think I was out of the game at that point like I had a flyer down I had cards that searched for equipment and I think I like it could have done well I don't think it was fair for me to scoop especially because if I scooped then obviously I wouldn't have done the damage to you and then you would have just been way further ahead mm-hmm. it's good to at least try and you know do something yeah, as opposed to just scoop yes if there is a chance yeah but, like, but it's the same in standard like i don't think it makes sense well it doesn't always make sense to scoop if there is a way out then you just mm. go for that way out yeah um but if you if you really just you you know your deck you know that it can't recover um from but mine could that's what i'm saying there was a chance of yeah. recovery i feel there was, you know, I was able, I would have been able to amass enough lifelink damage to stay in the game and enough damage to opponents to pressure them, enough commander damage with a Kiri mm-hmm. with indestructible, and enough searching the top six cards with an equipment putting onto the battle. I think there would have been enough to sustain at least, yeah. but not yeah, with Josh on like, the board. To what, stay 15 in the game. commander damage to me with a Kiri. Mm-hmm. In like one turn. Yeah, which like, <laughs> so that's a decent mm-hmm. amount. Yeah, I, I don't think it was, it, I, I, would, I think it was a close game. At the end of the day. I don't think it was a straightforward. I think if it had been a shorter... I think like we we scooped because we were done playing that game, mm-hmm. not because we thought we were going to win or lose. That, well, that's what it was for me anyway. Because yeah. I was looking at my board, because I was thinking I had Gideon Sacrifice, which I know you think is rubbish, but <laughs> at the point where you didn't have Field Mystic and Jordan had Jared and we were like, hey, if we can get back to his turn, mm-hmm. he can do it you'd be out of the game me and you would go down to quite low life but we wouldn't be out of it yeah or you to be fair actually i think he was going to kill all of us but i knew i had gideon sacrifice yeah gideon sacrifice wouldn't help yes you. i know it but we said that after but mm. at the time i was like oh this will prevent it you know whatever so obviously that's me getting it wrong but what? does gideon sacrifice stop stops damage it stops damage which is yeah, yeah okay. which was me not knowing the yeah. wording of jared's card correctly enough but yeah i don't think that I think we wanted to scoop because we were done playing Magic, not because we thought we were going to lose. Yeah. It is a good question, like, at what point do you scoop in Commander? But I think the answer to that is, like, never, really. I, I think, unless it is a straight-up, like, taxes deck. Yeah. Uh, or, I guess, against Flicker, there yeah. is a good but time to scoop. We, we did scoop in we the did. end. We did, yeah. Um, because the game went on for three hours, there mm-hmm. was not really an end in sight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know... That is not something that I want to happen again. Yeah. yeah. Like, I do not want to play another three-hour EDH game which doesn't end and there's no end in sight. And then we, like, I, d- I don't want it to be a regular occurrence where mm-hmm. we end up playing games where it ends because everybody just scoops because everybody's burned out and there's not having yeah. any fun anymore. Um, yeah. That's not really... Uh, I think I can speak unanimously for our playgroup when I say that's not really a fun way to play no. Commander. No, yeah. Um, and so I think I think that's what warrants the conversation, uh, and it's good to all be on the same page uh, about things like scooping. 
Like like you said there, Sarah, if one and a half hours into that game, we'd have thought, okay, you know what? All of our decks have done their thing. We're all still in this game. Let's just let's just start again. Because I actually think the most fun uh, the most fun part of EDH is the first few turns. Um, like the the beginning of the game where like like once you've transitioned into the late game, I feel like you've played a game of magic. And then, you know, closing out the game is kind of just formalities sometimes. But you do nothing for the first few turns of most of your decks. That's not true. Mm. It looks like that <laughs> on board, but, but yeah, so I'm... like in my head, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sequencing in a very specific way. Yeah. I'm playing, I'm making very specific plays and that there's a lot going on. I just, I, I do tend to play decks that don't seem to impact the board much, but that's not the same as doing nothing. Okay, but in terms of you saying like the first few turns are the most fun, sometimes the first few turns we're like excited if someone gets a soul ring down. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean like the first two or three turns. I mean the kind of, like you have a distinct beginning, middle and, end, uh, and late game. Mm. Uh, and I think once you've transitioned into the late game, ending the game is just formalities at that point. I think like that, that's very situational I think like a lot of the time the late game is uh you know you attack someone and then they block and then it's like ah oh, but then I have someone else cast like a, oh this creature can't block now you're dead yeah. and it's like whoa that's really cool mm. there's a whole I think there's a whole lot of situation it's very situational there can be times where the late game is stale like Friday but there can be times where the middle game is stale and and yeah. someone's already won at that point uh, someone, someone could even win it like the early turns. For example, I won in like six turns with a carry once because mm. I just ember cleaved both of you yeah. <laughs> with a carry, um, and that was enough commander. That was in like turn six or seven. Yeah. yeah. Would you say that was the most fun magic you guys have ever had? No. <laughs> exactly. No. <laughs> like the first few turns, Josh. You, it was, I remember because you played Flicker and you. That this was when you first made the deck. I think you were like, um, it doesn't really do much in the early turns. I should have more. And I was like, yeah, like it, it. I don't know. It, it, it's very situational. Yeah, I think Commander games are so. I think every Erratic. time, every time we play is different. Yeah. Like we have a decent amount of decks which probably contributes to that, but like you say, when you play standard, you look at a list. Like you, if you know what it is, you kind of go, "Oh, it's rogues all for me." I'm like, "Oh, fuck, cycling, hate yeah. it." Yeah. And you, you know quite easily, I can or I can't win this. I, I don't feel like I've ever played a game of Commander where I've gone, "Okay, I definitely can't win this," mm -hmm. until exactly. like I'm at a point where. You're, you're actually dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think I'm ever sat there going, oh, I've definitely lost. Yeah, in, in in EDH, I don't think you should lose until you, until you actually die. I think that makes sense, right? Yeah. And also, I think because there's so many cards, even though we know our decks well enough, there'll be cards. You played cards, Josh, on Friday that we'd not seen before like they'd just mm. not come up like, what was the one that stopped people having an attack phase yeah the <laughs> stonehorn dignitary yeah we'd never seen that before yeah, that, that was just enough up. to <laughs> that's yeah. probably when we started hating on you <laughs> yeah when I couldn't attack <laughs> yeah that, we'd never seen that card before like realistically we probably haven't all seen all of us have seen all 100 cards of our decks before yeah. there's probably yeah there's, there's definitely yeah so you don't know do you I think you never know like for definite until you are dead that turn yeah that you're out in command until you play like a game of commander every day it's not <laughs> it's not it's not going to be a, a format where you know what can happen i gotta say i disagree i think if people were more liberal about scooping in commander then we'd get to play more we would but then it's also like but if it's five people and i scoop and then i have to just because i think that plays into it as well 
if you just scoop and you're just kind of watching yeah, well, the game. that's what it was for me because I was like I don't want to play this game anymore yeah. but nine, none of you are losing mm. so if I scoop I'm just going to have to sit here until the I... game's over so I'm going to keep playing and I refuse to lose uh, and and yeah then I think I think it's a matter of as I said like because Commander's so situational like that kind of situation on Friday very unlikely to ever happen again I don't think it's ever happened it's, before it's never happened it's never happened before Not, yeah, I think yeah. it was just a there's a small chance that that's going to happen. We could all play aggro decks, and yeah. there's a chance that a game could go for four hours because we all build up a ball and we can't attack each other. Yeah, that's a possibility. Very unlikely, but at the end of the day, we can't we can't really quash that percentage to zero. Yeah. But well, I have since interestingly, um, it is never going to happen again because I have since changed the <laughs> deck list. Yeah. Um, uh, and I've taken a lot. I've taken out a lot of those kind of locking elements, those control elements, yeah. like Stonehorn Dignitary, which uh, makes makes someone skip their next combat phase. <laughs> um, and it's like some of the uh, yeah. I've taken out a lot of the control elements and made the deck much more stompy and explosive, mm -hmm. uh, so that. I, and I actually think this this weakens the deck mm -hmm. uh, in the sense that it's more likely to lose now. It's also more likely to just wipe people out. Uh, so it's kind of, you know, it, it's ramping and flickering, it's doing its thing, and then it has this explosive kind of top end, which is pretty stompy. Things like Earth Shaker Giant and End Raise Forerunners. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I, you know, I ramp, I build up a board, uh, I give everything plus two, plus two and trample, and then I swing in and start knocking people out, let down my defenses, um, but start ending the game. Yeah. And that seems to me to be a more fun resolution than playing those control elements, getting to a point where I know that I just can't lose, nobody can wipe me out, but still just going through the motions and, and waiting until everybody else figures that out and mm -hmm. eventually concedes. So boring. Yeah, that's the thing. Like my Two of my commander decks are similarly quite aggressive. And it gets to the point where, like, for example, rogues, we commonly see that that has an explosive start and deals so much damage, but then I'm leaving myself completely untapped and I go down to like 20 yeah. life in one turn because everyone in that cycle attacks me. Mm -hmm. and it's like, well, this is the thing with playing an aggro deck and commander. You do, you dish out as much damage as you take. Yeah. And, well, you dish out three times less the damage than you take, <laughs> actually. But yeah, that's what I mean. Like, realistically, the, the Bant Flicker control list is going to be the strongest version. And it, it begs the question of, you know, do you want to have fun or do you want to win? Yeah. That's that's what it is at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. And and for me it's having fun. Like I'm mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not all that interested in, in winning EDH. Mm -hmm. Uh it's uh, it's more about creating a fun experience. Yeah. Um you know, I, I kind of see EDH as a as a similar to a D and D campaign, as a <laughs> team effort to create the most fun game that you can. Yeah. Yeah. Um rather than you know actually being a direct competition i think uh, that's what i would prefer so i am shifting my decks to be more to embrace that a bit more like i think flickering and end race forerunners a bunch of times and giving all my stuff uh plus two plus two vigilance trample several <laughs> times in one turn uh isn't not as good as just making everybody skip their combat phases <laughs> not yeah. as not as not as good at stopping me from losing but it's more fun it's more explosive and it's a bit more entertaining mm. which i think is the ultimate goal yeah i also but i i do think that it's more entertaining to just scoop once your deck's done its thing i i, I struggle with what you mean with yeah, that in I, commander like i 
when does and like I said, maybe it's because it's the decks I play, but I don't think my deck ever stops doing its thing on any of them. Like, unless you get repeated board wipe, because all of my decks are pretty much creature decks. Mm. Like, they pretty much all go mm. wide and stuff. But I've recovered from repeated board wipes many times in Commander actually. But uh, when does my deck stop doing its thing? I don't. Yeah, I don't like, know the answer to that it, question. For for like a late game deck like Lord Wingrace against a late game deck like Bant Flicker. If you start like out flickering me, but at the same time, Wingrace does have the capabilities to you know go infinite and and have some crazy landfall synergies. Like, why should I scoop? Yeah, it, it, it's down to the. I think you should do that if you're like an aggro deck with not much late game capability. Then it makes sense to scoop. I think it is down to what deck you play and what what the landscape of the game is. So yeah, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it. I think it's down to that. The idea that you know your deck can can still win no matter what if, yeah. if you have that chance of winning and we we almost did we almost did have a yeah. chance of knocking you out and then us three having a win but the goal isn't to win right the goal is to it's just, not yeah is to have the most fun so well, spend seven turns having the most fun possible and then scoop i think it's a bit of both because <laughs> like, we all still want to like... win right like i never walk away i mean i'm pretty much always losing commander but I never felt like, oh, I'm really annoyed that I lost. But obviously you go into the game wanting to play the best you can in order yeah, like, to win. Yeah, then, it, then it's like, quite, if you flip it around... I think, I think to a degree, like, everybody wanting to win to a degree leads to a more interesting game. But, like, the Flickr deck, I'll always save the settle the settle the wreckages. Mm. The first one I'll always save for Sarah, even if it's not the best thing to do. Even if I'm not attacking you. Because it's funny and it tilts her. <laughs> Especially when you don't yeah. t- explain the whole card and let me know that I actually get lands for I all the creatures. I can't do that before. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I hadn't come across that with the wreckage. It's such an OP yeah. card. Well, you just went, this is where your creatures are exiled. And I was like, well, great. Yes. <laughs> no, I, th- I was going to say something. I was, I was going to say, like, if you flip it around the other way, so if, you, if the aim is to have the most fun, doesn't conceding after you've done what your deck does sound not fun? Because then you... Isn't that what it is? Yeah, like, if you don't mind whether you lose or not. But we yeah. have a lot of like, but, maybe not. politics but It's a stuff. different thing. Winning and losing and having fun and not having fun aren't exactly the same side of the... Yeah. Like, it, it's it's more of a, like, I may have, I may not have won this game. Or I, you could even be like, I, I could have won this game, but I conceded. But looking at my next few draws, oh, wait, I had the win. Oh, well, that's not fun. Yeah. I could have won in the next yeah. few turns. That's that's the kind of situation that I imagine from that. But it's, I mean, I kind of see it like um, like sparring and boxing. Sparring can be fun. You don't have to keep fighting until one of you is knocked out. No. Until until like you've gone the full fifteen rounds, you can just do a round or two, have some fun, scoop it up, call it a day. I don't yeah, think but that's then... a comparison though. I mean, that you are correct. I don't think that's a comparison to magic though. Yeah, I think it's a bit different with magic. Like the reason we have our strategies in magic, the reason I have a landfall deck with a bunch of lands and singes is because it's 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 trying to win. It's yeah. trying to kill people. And same with your, you know, it's the same with any deck. Like the reason it has a strategy is, is not to execute the strategy, but to win off of it. Mm. You know. Yeah, we're not just we're not just trying to make just... a bunch of creatures and then like, all right, cool, that's enough. You want it, you want to win. Yeah. We have we have win cards. You added Endrace Forerunners as a card to win. Yeah. 
that's it, right? I'm yeah. Gonna, you're I'm gonna you're play not just going to flick like it once. Steel Colossus. I'm yeah. going to give it haste. I'm going to cast Fling, target you, and before that resolves, I concede. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, all right, I've done it now. Let's concede. <laughs> that's that's the thing. Like, it is an interesting concept. But yeah, so you're moving away from the control side of Yorian. Uh, not Yorian. <laughs> It's pretty, much is, it's pretty much it's pretty much Yorian. It is Yorian, yeah. You never play Rune. Rune I don't. is just for the colours. No, yeah. I, I, I never I never cast Rune uh, when I play this deck. Mm-hmm. And I Yorian is actually scarier. Yeah, yeah. Yor, Yorian is a lot a lot better in the list and, and sees play almost every game. Whereas I I, I pretty much only cast Rune if I have nothing else to do. <laughs> With five mana, which isn't very likely to happen. Uh, and I wanted to ask you guys how you choose your commanders. Mm. Because I picked Rune because he has synergy in the Flicker deck. In the colours. Um, but really, yeah, all he yeah. does is enable me to play the colours. He is a creature if I need him, but I think that the deck works well enough that I just never need him. <laughs> and actually, I think that it would be better if I just played something like a Golos in the five drop slot, uh, in the commander slot instead. It would allow me to play all the colors. I could make no changes to the deck, swap rune for Golos, and I think that would actually be a strict improvement. Well, um, you wouldn't have the colors to use his ability, so he'd just be a three, five, get a land. Yeah, which is better than rune at the moment, because yeah, okay, yeah. I just yeah. I just don't use it. <laughs> at least I don't have yeah. the option. Um, and so I wanted to ask you guys how you decide on your commanders. Um, and like, how you uh, uh, how you decide on what decks you want to play? Hmm. Okay, that's a good question. Hmm. the The thing that I think I think it comes down to is you have to define what your deck is about. So if it's a there's there's like a fifty fifty split I would say between your deck being about your commander or mm-hmm. your deck being about the theme. For example, Wind Grace is about landfall, uh, but. He's not. It's not about Wind Grace. He, Wind Grace doesn't have any landfall abilities. He yeah. just has return lands from your graveyard to your battlefield. He actually doesn't have any landfall abilities. Yeah. So, it it's uh, the 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 deck itself is based around landfall, and you can easily change the commander. There are some Jund landfall commanders out there, mm-hmm. as well as Lord Wind Grace. Um, I don't know what the reason I picked him was initially, but you ha- you can boil it down to the fact that he it, it's down to the theme. For example. The Alayla deck that we have, I don't think there's any replacement commander for her because it's artifact enchantment in those three colors and she has a bunch of flying synergies like mm-hmm. what other creature has. Yeah. Artifact enchantment, flying synergies, nothing. Yeah. But Landfall is so versed. Flicker is so... You can have you can have so much for Flicker. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Sarah, for example, your Taser deck is, I would say, is pretty reliant on Taser. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because i think that what uh, so the taser deck and the rune deck mm. and the lord wimgrace deck what they all have in common is that the commander enhances the strategy mm. but the deck yeah. works fine without that's the commander. a good point actually yeah uh, all the commander does is powers things up well actually not so much in rune because rune doesn't do anything <laughs> in my deck but wimgrace powers up your landfall strategy um, he he takes what the deck does already, what the deck wants to do, mm. and he does it all better. Taser takes what your deck does and makes it better. Um, and the difference is uh, that you some some decks do that. Some decks rely entirely on their commanders. So uh, another example is my Morophon uh, Devoid Eldrazi deck. The deck works the same whether you play Morophon or not. 
Mm. Uh, Morophon just buffs all of my Eldrazi, makes them cheaper to cast, makes the deck work better. Whereas, um, so Jordan plays a couple of decks, one being uh, a, a red-blue Niv-Mizzet, the Paran deck. Mm. Oh, is it Paran? Or... Yeah, Paran. Oh. Um, with the Curiosity combo. So Niv doesn't make that deck better. Niv is the whole game plan. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then same with his Jared the Lich Lord deck. Uh, Jared doesn't make any like doesn't make his his graveyard synergy better. Doesn't make his creatures better. It adds like it's kind of the win con. Okay. Um, yeah. That so makes a lot more sense. and that's the difference. In in some commander decks, the commander is the win con. Uh, in others, the commander just makes the already decent deck better, and that's the kind of deck that I prefer to build. So then, I like to build a decent deck that has the commander as an option, but it doesn't actually rely on the commander. I see, because now I'm thinking about all of your decks, Sarah, and actually they do all fit into that category. You don't need to... So you have... What are your three decks? Or four decks? I three. Don't know three decks. Well, I don't know if I... Re- I mean, I kind of agree. So I have Taste, which we talked about, and then I have yeah. Rin and Seri. Would I think it would be a bit rubbish without Rin and Seri. Yeah. Well, it would just be... It would... Because they're not... I, I think it would be. Because I think the way that I win with Rin and Seri is by having loads of creatures. But then it's also not reliant on Rin and Seri necessarily? Like it's your not... Game? I guess, yeah. It's not reliant in the same way that... As, as Niv If Mizzet. Jordan can't play Niv, he Jordan can't, can't win. win. He yeah. can't win. <laughs> he can't. I think with Jared, there's a chance because he still makes really big creatures. Mm. Yes, he can't deal like life loss with Jared, but I mean, if he's swinging in with... What like what do you have like a twenty six twenty six? If he has a way to give that trample, that's it. That what are you doing about that? Yeah. So but I think it's not the same as with Niv. Yeah, I I think Rin and Sari can. Uh, yeah, they're. I think the question that you've got to ask is, what does Rin and Sari do? What does the deck do? Makes creatures goes wide and swings. That yeah. is what it does. And if you didn't play Rin and Sari in a game, what would the deck do? the same thing just with less creatures and so that that is uh, that is an yeah, example is. of how the strategy is the same Rin and Seri just makes the strategy a lot stronger it, yeah it enhances and enables it um whereas uh so Jordan like the the, the Lich Lord deck the uh, Jared the, the Golgari Lich Lord deck um the deck wants to play massive creatures sacrifice them with Jared and cause everybody to lose life equal to their power mm, that yeah. is the main game plan and yeah. if you don't play Jared then it's, it's a play big plan. creatures. And that's it. It's a different game plan. That yeah. makes more sense yeah. when you put it that way. Mm. But I think Atraxa makes my Infect deck so much better. Yeah, but it's still... Like, so what does the Infect deck want to do? Well, deal poison damage <laughs> It wants to... Okay. And if you didn't play Atraxa, what would the deck want to do? Well, the same thing, but I think Atraxa is the one... I don't know. Maybe, yeah, I guess you're right. I All of my decks would work without the commander, but they would be significantly worse i think i think I w- oh yeah for sure i win yeah. a lot i don't know how i would win without any of my commanders well, the thing, i think we we all do have the the best like commander for that deck or but ne- you, not necessarily but like yeah you guys could win lord wing grace and rune without casting i feel like attractor could win without attractor do you think but the time the only time attractor's won was because of attractor not because of infect true Yes, but the strategy could be executed with or without. Yeah, like you could. Your your deck is infect and proliferate. You have tons of infect cards. You have tons of proliferate cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
can win by itself, I feel. Obviously, Atraxa makes it much better, but it's not reliant on Atraxa. Atraxa is also kind of... The reason she's such a good commander is because she's four-color. Yeah, and she her, does she has so all the keywords. She's so great. Yeah, yeah, and, like, you can... Atraxa is such a versatile commander. She doesn't have to be played in Infect. She could be played in a four-color plus-one, plus-one counter synergy. Or yeah. even four-color minus-one, minus-one counters. Or yeah. four-color... What other proliferate? Attracts is a really good example of a uh, of a of a kind of a commander that's good because <clears throat> you can play it in a bunch of different strategies mm. where the deck will still do what it does. Attracts just makes it better. You can play Super Friends, and you will still just be playing Planeswalkers, yeah. getting yeah. loads of value, whether you play Attracts or not. Um, so Attracts is a really good example of a commander that makes the deck better but doesn't actually re- like the, the whole the whole uh the strategy plan doesn't is in the cards yeah it does yeah. It, yeah yeah exactly uh, and that's the way i prefer to build commander decks i like to make a good deck that's interesting and fun to play and i like the commanders to enhance that i like them mm. to be another option rather than you know like a dependency yeah that makes um, sense like I think it's even difficult. even in my so i have a storm deck a jeskai storm deck with kaikar the wind's fury mm-hmm. as the commander and the deck relies heavily on Kaika because Kaika has the ability that when you play a non-creature spell, you make a spirit, and you can sack a spirit and add a red mana. So there's, you know, you can make mana by playing spells, and, and there's the potential to go infinite. But I have several cards in the deck that have a similar ability, so that I still have those options without actually depending on Kaika. Yeah. Um, things like Bergy God of Storytelling, Storm Kiln Artist, um, uh, ways of making mana for casting my spells and going over the top. Even if like it would be, it's a lot easier with Kaikar. Kaikar makes the storming off a lot more powerful, allows mm. me to stretch it further, but it still doesn't actually depend entirely on yeah. Kaikar. You know? Yes. Makes a, yeah, it makes more sense. Yeah. So then, yeah, I think we all do have a, I would say all of our commander decks, minus Jordan's. It is, uh, it is Niv, though. I think Jared yeah. could work without Jared. Jared Niv, could definitely work without Jared. Because we've seen it time and time again, which is why Jordan is making a new... <laughs> a new is a commander. Is it commander. Because he sits there, does <clears> nothing, <throat> and then as soon as we see the mana available for Niv, because it's difficult to cast, then we're just on it yeah and we, can't, we can't let Niv result yeah which is not fun yeah I would imagine and I know that for Jordan he'll sit there doing not a whole lot for what six turns mm-hmm. best case scenario because that <laughs> means he's getting the correct manner and then there's not even any point playing Niv because you're going to have four more people's turns before it gets back to you Niv's going to be gone by then mm-hmm. so he has to wait till I don't know turn eight before he can safely play Niv Maybe. Yeah, and even then, like that's, that's that beats one answer, you know. Yeah, and he's got three opponents. Exactly. Yeah, it's a difficult. It's difficult, and I think we all have built our decks accordingly, to the point where obviously Renin Seri is probably like the least on the on that scale. But you can execute Renin Seri yeah. without playing them. They do just massively boost the deck mm-hmm. by and by creating a bunch of dogs and cats. But Renin Seri's uh, ability of tapping it and dealing the damage—that's mm. A really good way to win that wouldn't exist without Rin and mm-hmm. Seri, and is made better because there's more cats and dogs. Yeah, yeah. yeah so 
Yeah, I would say like we've all built our decks accordingly. Like, I can run with rogues without rogues. The rogues deck doesn't rely on Anna one. It yeah. relies on having I, rogues. Anna one just gives you card advantage, right? It does, right? yeah. Uh, that's that's really all that he adds. It busts my rogues, gives a card advantage. Yeah, yeah. Makes the deck better, but doesn't rely on him. <laughs> so yeah, I think that is an interesting. There's an interesting thing that you pointed out, and um, Jordan, you got to step up your deck building. Yeah, I think it's the best. <laughs> that's got to be the best way to build a commander deck, where yeah. the commander makes it better, but it's not the whole yeah, reason the deck when, works. When the biggest threat is visible all the time and is repeatable, yeah. you're going to be the threat, and you're going to be targeted. But I think that's an example, same with the Taser, of turning a standard deck into a commander deck, right? Mm -hmm. Niv was Jordan's standard deck. Jordan is, like, in love with Niv in the same way that I love Taser. Yeah. But you go from having four copies to one copy, and it doesn't... It works with Taser because the deck works without Taser. It evidently doesn't work for Niv mm. because, it's, yeah, like I said, it's an obvious threat. And it's super difficult to cast as well. And it's, it's a completely different format. Mm. And there's just a whole there's a whole bunch of things that happens when you switch from a standard deck to EDH. So yeah, you could build a Niv deck that didn't depend on Niv. Though. You can. Like, you yeah. could build a spell slinger deck, and then you know if Niv's down, all of your spells draw and your extra cards dealing yeah. damage. That and would the, be yeah. Niv Niv just makes the deck a lot stronger. Makes all your spells have this extra effect. Yeah, extra ping damage. Which yeah, is, that should be that could even be a consideration. Like, mm -hmm. but yeah. Then, yeah, instead of having to, to ditch Niv completely. There's a consideration of just it's it's difficult because a lot of the good cards in that deck are expensive. Yeah. And, but yeah, it's 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 a it's a whole other thing. Um, really interesting question. Thanks for bringing that up. So another thing that I wanted to ask you guys about, since we're talking about EDH deck building, is uh, about tutors. Mm -hmm. So I uh, I've been I've revised a lot of my decks recently. Um, with this in mind, you know this this idea of making them less about tuning the deck and more about having a fun shared experience uh, and so I've been removing a lot of the tutors from my decks and instead replacing them with where I can with uh, just cards that I would tutor for with that tutor so for example I will take out an idyllic tutor out of my storm deck and put in a powerful enchantment I think I put in Met metallurgic summonings uh, which is an enchantment that works really nicely in the Storm deck. Because why did you have Idyllic Tutor in that deck? Was it just for... Ristic Study and Jeskai Ascendancy. <laughs> it was just those two, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But they're so powerful. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, uh, and so the reason that I've done this is because... Uh, and I think this is going to be a bit of a controversial opinion. And of course, no, no matter what way you enjoy EDH, that is the right way. Mm. Uh, but I'm moving more towards trying to make EDH about that shared fun experience. So I've been removing tutors because tutors enable you to play the same strategy more consistently. Uh, but what I think I have more fun with in EDH is figuring out how to win with the cards that you've got mm. rather than focusing on getting specific cards out of your deck uh figure out how to win with with what you're drawing and and i like that concept that sort of idea of uh you know don't focus too much on winning or on doing the same thing every game see what you draw and figure out how to piece together a win uh treat each game as a fresh experience i think it increases the variety in my games mm. forces me to play with cards that i maybe wouldn't play with um like my first choice as an enchantment to search up with a Dirk tutor is always going to be jeskai ascendancy but now i have three powerful enchantments in the deck that i want 
and I don't, whichever one I draw is the one that will get played, and that's the one that I'll have to I'll have to leverage the uh, the advantages that that gives me to find a win, and that kind of forces me into different play patterns. It adds a bit more variety to my game. Hmm. What do you guys think of tutors in EDH? I, I guess not specifically tutors, hmm. but this attitude. I so to counter sort of your point about idyllic tutor first of all is i think i i like tutors and the reason why is because first of all obviously they're great effects it's a great card and the reason that i can i, mean, I can imagine yours being quite stale is because you do only have those two targets mm -hmm. if you have a deck which has a bunch of situational targets for tutoring do you not feel like that's the same as trying to piece together and trying to find the right card to tutor is that not like a decision you also have to make and yeah that's a really good point so yeah. i think the difference here is tutoring for the best card in your deck yeah is... seems to be something that i want to start moving away from but tutoring for answers to the situation is mm. a very different thing yeah because you don't have a whole lot of choice in rustic study or jessica ascendancy it makes sense why and i understand why you wouldn't enjoy it as much because you're just going to get to one or two really good cards mm -hmm. but you know there's if you had a, if you if you had a bunch of enchantments if you're playing an enchantment based deck there's no there's no reason you wouldn't run idyllic tutor yeah even for the even for the for the for the reason that you provided earlier there's that doesn't apply because you have so many enchantments you're not always just going to get your best one out you're yeah. not always going to get your smothering tithe out or yeah. whatever you're going to get something that's probably like more situational you might have to get a prison realm or... Yeah, like, well, it's, what, what do you need to answer? Yeah, do you need exactly. a Frogify? Do you need a Dark Steel Mutation? Do you need something that gives you card advantage, like an Omen of the Sea? Exactly. Um, so you have to, yeah, you, then you have to assess the situation of the game and make a decision about what answer you want. Yeah. And that is more interesting. So that's sort of my take on tutors, is that they are just a powerful card and effect. And I, I think it can be fun because you still you still need to piece together that win. You, mm -hmm. need to piece together, you need to make the right decision with it. What do you think, Sarah? What are your thoughts? I went on a full-on journey in that conversation, guys. <laughs> I wasn't sure. I have one tutor, yeah. Diabolic Tutor in Taser, which I pretty much always fetch either Ethereal Absolution or Guy's Wrath. Mm. So when Josh, you were saying about your thing, I was like, yeah, that makes total sense. What, like, why don't I just put another card in that's good? I know they do very different things, but I can just put another good card in. Yeah. However... I think, like with everything in Commander, which we've said today, it's all situational. So if you have a deck that has multiple answers that you would need in different situations, mm -hmm. a tutor just feels like an obvious choice. Mm. So I think it depends on the deck. Yeah, all there's... of my decks don't would be fine without tutors, I think. Because yeah. there's not multiple answers to things. Yeah. Whereas, like you said, with an enchantment deck, it's totally dependent on what's going mm -hmm. on. Because there's even decks built around it, like... Zer the Enchanter is a tutor mm. creature, basically. Yeah. He looks for an enchantment. And so Maddie does play it in her Alela deck. And oftentimes, she plays a different thing each time. But yes. when she uses Zer the first time in any match, the, like the other day I played against her, she she never has an idea of what to get first. She's always thinking, oh, I need to go look at the list and pick one out. Because the, it is situational like that. And I think that can be fun gameplay. Yeah. That's smart gameplay. It is smart and fun gameplay. Yeah. You, it, it, it gives you so many more options and you have to make the right one. And it's just it's interesting to see how it plays out. 
So I guess specifically in combo decks, I'm leaning away from tutors. Yes. I suppose. Yeah, that where, makes like, more sense. Where where I was using tutors to assemble the Jeskai ascendancy combo where I could go infinite. Mm. That is not as fun. Yeah, that's more like it, it's more like C E D H as yeah. opposed to E D H. Mm. So, yeah. But tutors in normal decks where you just want to be able to flexibly find an answer, I can see, you know, if you've got to make decisions, yeah, I can see that being fun. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, that's that's pretty insightful. That's warmed me up a little bit on tutors <laughs> again. Yeah. Yeah, because like, to, to further it as well, in my rogues deck, I planned on buying the new Kaldheim rogue which lets you tutor when he attacks or something. I can't remember. Okay. Yeah, it's like a three mana, two, three legendary. Oh yeah, Varagoth, the Blood, Blood Sky Sire. Sky Sire, yeah. Um, he, he has like a tutor ability on, on a, as a rogue itself. And obviously, because he's a rogue and a creature, that's going to fit yeah. perfectly into the deck. I don't, I don't know what I would actually fetch up all the time because that's such a... It's not focused on one game plan. It is just rogues. Maybe I'll need a strong, good rogue creature, or maybe I'll need a notorious throng to take an extra turn. It, it, as long as your game plan isn't boiled down to one thing, I think tutors can be really diverse mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and a lot. It makes it, it kind of expands your hand and makes all your decisions important. Okay, so one other thing that we talked about last week and we wanted to bring up this week was. Uh, additional rules for our commander games, or well, not rules, but I guess uh, additional. I guess they are rules. Well, I think some are rules, some are. It depends what it is, but rules is probably a good general term. Yeah, rules, mechanics, I yeah. guess, uh, game mechanics to improve our games. Um, so the one that we kind of came up with was because a lot of us were getting land stuck and not uh, getting sort of mana screwed a little bit the rule we wanted to bring in was the idea that you could not you could skip your land drop for turn so if you, if you miss your land drop you could decide you can choose to basically tutor a land to the top of your library and put it on the top of your library a basic land yeah um and i think that's a really fair rule because you still get the drawback of missing your land drop because you don't get to play it that turn unless you're able to draw it but then you're using resources to draw it and it's a whole different thing but yeah, I think, what do you guys think of that rule in our commander games to stop people from getting too mana screwed? I mean, you're saying people, but you mean me. <laughs> right? Yeah. You mean me. Maybe. Most of the time. I think that's a good rule, because I think with land, so we already have, we should say, the rule about guild gates coming in untapped, yes. right? We made that as a rule that, That's one of our house ago. rules, yeah. And I think that's, I don't know, it's difficult to tell if that's made a difference. I think it has, and not in a bad way. Yeah, it's not It's not changed anything in an aggressive way. Because mm -hmm. I suppose we have to think with land rules. Because you have a land for deck, Sammy. Mm -hmm. We have to consider if a land yeah. rule would make your deck so, so that's, much better. That's where I think this rule is good as well. Because I can't imagine my landfall deck benefiting too much off of this. Because in the situation where I miss a land drop, I'm likely going to be really behind anyway. Yeah. Because the deck does things with land drops. And it, it, for example, if it's like a, you know, ramp by making a land drop or something, if I'm not doing that for one turn, I still get punished for it. Mm. And then I get to draw a land, and obviously that makes a difference. And I do get a bit more value out of it. But I think having the, the, the whole thing of putting it onto the top of the library instead of my hand, because if you ensure that I hit a land drop every turn, that will make it unfair. Yeah. But 
in 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 adding the rule of putting it onto the top of the library, it, it still adds the sting of missing a land drop, which is I think is fair. What do you think, Josh? So I think when it comes to like custom rules in Commander, uh, I'm a big fan of minor alterations. Mm -hmm. I think if you make major mechanical changes to the game, it just becomes a different format. Yeah, you know, like something like oh, you can have a uh, any instant or sorcery to go in, in your in a command zone. You know that 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 changes the format. Um, uh, but I am a big fan of these minor mechanical changes to either improve the quality of life of the players at the table um, or spice up the game a little bit. Mm. Um, and it has to be things that, like you say, can't be exploited and, and aren't that powerful. Mm. Just nudge things in the right direction. Uh, so I like this land tutoring rule. Uh, I think that Guildgates is a nice way to help smooth out um, some people's land issues on the budget uh, without overpowering them. You know, mm -hmm. like when, if you play a five-color deck and you have one of each Guildgate in in your deck, I mean, it, it's going to make the deck better, but not loads better. Yeah. Um, uh, and you know, something like uh, so. Another idea is whoever goes last gets the monarchy at the start of the game. Uh, whoever goes last starts the game as the monarch. Cool. Um, yeah, which means that they just get a, like they they all that means is they get a, probably a couple of extra cards before somebody can attack in at them, mm. um, which kind of helps them catch up to the rest of the table. Um, like small mechanical changes that even out advantages or or just quality of life improvements, like uh, make make you less likely to mana screw, less likely to mana flood. Like maybe we could do something like you at any time. Um, if you have less than seven cards in hand, you can discard three lands and draw a card. Or, or, I haven't really given much thought to these, mm. but like, uh, in I don't think there's a scenario where that's going to be a massive advantage. But it helps that person who's getting mana flooded. Um, and you know they're giving up three cards to draw one. They're probably going to have to hold back on land drops to get the three lands into their hand to discard them. Um, yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe something like, you know, we, we talked there about using your land drop for the turn to instead tutor a land to the top of your library. Yeah. Uh, maybe you use your land drop for the turn to discard three lands and then you get to draw a card. But then you, you can't play a land that turn. You know, so like that, it has to be stuff that is more of a disadvantage than an advantage. Um, and that's what I would consider a, a balancing technique. Okay. Like if you're if you start the game as the monarch, you're still going last, and that is a big disadvantage in a multiplayer game mm. like this. Uh, you're down on cards, you're down on tempo big time. Um, drawing the extra card could make or break the game for you, I think. So maybe that's too powerful. Um, but I don't know. I think you've got to play with it and see. Ultimately, my stance on it is. I'm all for house rules, um, little quality of life changes, uh, as long as everybody at the table is on the same page about them, and there, you know, you approach it kind of lighthearted and explorative, and, yeah. and you and you communicate as a as a group. Then yeah, I think changes like this are are really good. You know, the the if you customize your magic experience and you enjoy it more, power to you for that. Uh, like like we say repeatedly, there's no best one way to enjoy magic. Mm. If you want to start making rules changes. Um, to your little play group and then yeah do it absolutely go ahead and do it and actually I'd be really interested in knowing what the listeners at home do 
in their custom playgroups. Uh, if you guys have any kind of custom rules that you play, any quality of life changes to help with mana flooding, mana screws, anything like that, let us know at Top Deck Insight on Twitter. Uh, is the best place to reach us. Tweet us and let us know because anything that you suggest, we can try it out. We can talk about it on the next episode. We can try it out in our games and see whether it sticks for us as well. Mm-hmm. You might even get a shout out if your role is good. <laughs> <laughs>